You're listening to the Cultivating Careers in Alternative Proteins podcast, a podcast which features students and early career professionals who work in the alternative protein industry, where they discuss their journeys and deliver advice on how you can start a career in this revolutionary field. Unlike all of the previous guests, this episode's guest works in the academic world and conducts research on how to make the alternative protein transition. Florian Kramer is a researcher of alternative proteins at Wageningen University and research in the Netherlands. She has a bachelor's degree in consumer behavior and a master's in sustainable food consumption, both at Wageningen University. With a minor in climate change and an internship in marine biology in Kenya, she has a very diverse background. She now works in applied research for the Consumer Behavior Department, where her work varies from monitoring protein intake on a national scale to conducting consumer acceptance experiments. All right, now on to my interview with Lorena, where she explains about her research work and what it's like working in academia. Hello, Florina, and welcome to the Cultivating Careers in Alternative Proteins podcast. I am very excited to speak with you today and hear about your experience and what brought you into the alternative protein space. Hi, thanks for having me. It's really great to be here today. Excellent. To start off, we can talk about what inspired you to get into the alternative protein space in the first place. Yeah, that's a good question. For me, initially, it was because of a course I did at university where we were calculating the impact of our food uh, or production systems on the environment. And obviously, meat has a very high resource use, and that was kind of an eye-opener for me. After a while, it switched more to being also about animal welfare. And uh, recently, I've also been very focused on inclusivity and access of alternative proteins because for the alt protein scene to really make an impact it's not just about addressing a niche and right now it's kind of in some terms it has an elitist image and what we've got to do is to really bring it to the masses and for that we need to shift in what people are eating but also about who's working behind the scenes right now that makes a lot of sense and happy to hear that that was the inciting action to inspire you to, to work in this industry. So maybe now we can talk about the work that you're currently doing. So can you elaborate more on what your research work is and maybe what projects you're working on? I work currently as a consumer behavior researcher at Wageningen University and Research, which means that my work is really quite diverse. So we don't only focus on, for instance, plant-based meat analogs, but also on more sustainable other animal-based alternatives or, on, for instance, plant-based dairy and fish, precision fermentation, cultured meats, and, well, any of those categories, really. Topics that I have projects on at the moment are more sustainable mussels production, which is very local foods that's produced in the Netherlands here but also on monitoring protein intake, for instance, on a national scale, but also in more closed settings and in the most extreme case in Dutch prisons, which is a very interesting field to look at. Wow, that's fascinating. So what is the approach to measuring the protein intake? Yeah, so that's what we're finding out, really, because it's not as easy as you might think it would be, especially for a whole nation. So we're looking at different approaches, the consumer routes, where we kind of look at what consumers are saying they're eating, 
but also at what supermarkets have to offer and if those sales actually match the consumption. And through all of that, we try to create a realistic image of what's being consumed. Okay, that makes sense. And I presume that you kind of find that work really interesting and engaging and it really excites and motivates you? Yeah, I really like it. It's really good for me to be working on a topic that I really care about that makes my work a lot more fun and I get distracted quite easily. So it's good for me to have a lot of diversity in not only the topics that I work on, but also the things I do in a day. Right. And speaking of the things that you do in a day, what does a typical day look like to you? Yeah, well, that really differs. I mean, a lot of the work is, as you might imagine, behind a desk with literature studies or more quantitative analysis and now a lot of online meetings. But we do get to do field work as well, which I really enjoy. I have an interest in marine biology as well. So I like to visit farms, not only on the land, but also on the water. I mean, that's not typical for any researcher, but it's something I really enjoy. And we have behavioral interventions. We're testing what works to kind of tempt consumers. And that means we visit those places too. We run those interventions. We visit supermarkets. We visit consumers at home to run different tests. Okay. And is there a lot of opportunities for you to collaborate with other universities or organizations or companies? Yeah, we generally collaborate a lot with different parts of our university, which is quite big, but also other universities in the Netherlands or abroad as well. And especially organizations and companies. We are an applied research institute, so we work for companies and organizations quite frequently. And just to stay up to date on industry developments, I get to visit some conferences or trade fairs when I can. And like one of your previous guests also mentioned, you get to eat a lot of free food there. So that's uh, that's always fun for me to attend. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the best part of those conferences. It's why we work in food, right? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're able to explore and, and attend different concerts, meet different people and do a lot of engaging work with others because I know sometimes research can feel a bit isolating. Yeah, I think generally the image is that it can be a bit lonely. We always work in teams, so that's not really the case for me. And I know some colleagues prefer to work a bit more on their own and have a bit more time to really focus on their thing. And that's also possible. It's just something that I enjoy doing different things, meeting different people. Nice. Speaking of doing different things and meeting people, because you're a researcher at a university, are there any teaching responsibilities that you have? For me, no responsibilities. If I like to do it, I can. And I happen to do like that. So currently I've been doing some guest lectures, but not really at the university. So in the Dutch education system, you can do university or applied university. I think that will be translated as community college. And I think it's really good to not only look at university, but also at the different levels. Like I linked back to earlier where it's, it's not really about reaching only the niche of the people who have this access to this type of education. So yeah, I really enjoy 
teaching at other levels of education as well. Nice. So what is the best part about being, being able to teach others? It's interesting for yourself to see what questions and suggestions students come up with because they're not as set in their ways as I am at this point. So they have very creative ideas, which is very nice. And on the other hand, it's really nice to be able to tell your story and to see how people react to it. And if you're lucky, you maybe can inspire one or a few people in each class to continue working on this field. And that's that's what we need as a research field, I think. Mm -hmm. And what are the topics that you teach? So it can be either about really the protein transition, where you discuss with all your guests how diverse it is and what developments are in the different fields. But it can also be more a bit technical on, for instance, consumer behavior research, which is a, a field of research that's not known everywhere. And you can explain a little bit how that can look like, what models we use, and what developments are in this field of more socioeconomic research. Okay. Wow, that's pretty in-depth. <laughs> so you mentioned that you enjoy teaching more on the applied side and your research is more on the applied side. So can you elaborate for people who aren't very familiar with what the difference is between applied versus theoretical research is? Yeah, I've only worked in applied research, so I don't have a full image of what the more theoretical side would be. But I can have a guess. And in general, it's quite different because we, as an applied research institute, work for organizations that can be a government or a company or any type of organization really that has a specific question. And in that sense, it's a bit almost like consultancy that you're answering a question. And it's less about, for instance, peer-reviewed publishing, which does happen, but it's not the end goal. Okay. Interesting. And have you published any papers? You know, it's not sort of what your research is geared towards? Yeah, it's not really my thing. I have published one paper, but that was when I was still a master's student. So not in my work. I'm working on one though. So maybe next year. Oh, nice. Uh, what is the one that you're working on? It's about studying consumer behavior on alternative proteins in low and middle income countries, which is not a perfect term, but it just refers to the fact that most research is focused now on Western countries, industrialized societies, very rich consumers, and that the whole field needs a bit of a wider perspective. Right, understood. Is there any results that you can share from that paper yet? Not really so far. We're doing case studies in India and in South Africa, which are both interesting regions to look at, and a literature study comparing what's been done so far in the academic world. India is an interesting country because a good portion of the population there is vegetarian. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very different world to look at, and it's now the biggest country in the world, so definitely a force to reckon with. Oh, absolutely. So can you describe more what working in an academic environment is like relative to a more corporate role? Yeah, I think for me, as a part of Wageningen a university and research, it's really great to be surrounded by people who are very passionate about improving the quality of life, which is, I think, our kind of uh, slogan. 
And it just means that people are very skilled and knowledgeable about topics relating to the environment that we live in. For me, that's quite diverse. I think we have about 8,000 colleagues varying from marine research to livestock production systems to plant sciences, which is super specific and something that I don't know a lot about yet. And it's really great to be able to learn. So I think aside from working, you're still learning quite a lot in this academic environment. I'm quite happy to just be surrounded by people who share the same values as me. Yeah, that really can make or break your working experiences, the people that you're with. And if you really get along with them and they share values, it can make work not really feel like work. Yeah, it makes it a lot easier for sure. I'm not saying that the impact is necessarily greater because I think you can have a major impact if you work in an environment that's not quite where you are, but it's definitely easier on a personal level. That's a fair point. So I know before you had the role that you have now, you worked as a emerging markets advisor at Lariv International. How do you feel that the work that you did there compares to the job that you have now? What were some of the pros and cons of each? Oh, yes, that's fun to compare. I really enjoyed my work as Emerging Markets Advisor. One of the major differences is that there I only worked in Sub-Saharan Africa and parts of Asia. And now I'm focusing more also on the Netherlands and Europe, which I think is both very valuable because there's lots to do here as well as over there. For me, it's nice in this role that I have now is that I'm more focused on the protein transition. And I think as a consultant, you are a little bit more dependent on what your client asks from you. So it can be a bit more diverse. Also, Europe is in general in a different phase of the protein transition because customers, clients in Europe generally eat fewer proteins, where this is not always the case in Sub-Saharan Africa or regions in Asia. So you're answering a really different question. I like both, so that's why I probably enjoyed both my positions. I think Lariv was more fast-paced and more international, and the one I'm doing now is a bit less so. So I sometimes miss that. On the other hand, I really enjoy it the diversity of projects within the alt protein space. Fair enough. So why did you decide to switch from working in more the industry to the academia environment? Oh, it's mostly just because something came up. It wasn't because I actively wanted to leave the industry as such, because I really enjoyed that. But I was just curious because a PhD would be a bit much for me, a bit too focused I was a bit scared with the idea of working on one topic for four years. This came up and for me, it felt as kind of a mix between really research and working in the industry because I now work in applied research. I was eager to learn different skills and I felt that the role that I have now would offer a bit more in-depth knowledge on the field that I'm interested in. But I would maybe see myself go back to the industry at some point. I think there's lots to learn from both. Right. No, that's, that's a good point. And at least now you've had the experience of working in both. Yeah, I think they're both extremely valuable and both necessary as well. I really enjoy both the industry and the academic world. I think 
it requires different skills and I can maybe blend in both of these worlds. So now I'm really enjoying this trajectory of research and perhaps in the future I can move back to the industry because there's so many different places where you can work for the alternative protein goal, so to say. You can think about producers, retailers, caterers, the research that I'm in now or on the government side, but you also need more activist organizations and the larger corporate companies who might be not quite there yet at this point, but they have a huge influence and impact. So I see myself being interested in a lot of these aspects of the protein transition, and I definitely see myself maybe working in different fields in the future. Right. And where do you think you may see yourself in the future? Or too early to say? I'm not sure. I think I would be interested to work here for a little bit longer because I think there's a lot still to learn. And maybe in the future, I would like to go back to a place that's a bit more fast paced and working in maybe a smaller company that works on a specific product or that's developing technology like precision fermentation. I could definitely see myself being of value there and also learning a lot myself. Only what role I would see myself in, I'm not entirely sure, but I'm 28. I don't need to know everything at this point. So I'll just see where life takes me. Yeah, that's a reasonable approach. It's a tough question to ask when you're you're still pretty early in your career. Yeah, I could probably tell you where I'll be in 10 years, and that's probably not going to be what I think it is now. So I'll just go with the flow. Fair enough. Yeah, and especially in this ever-changing world, it seems like things are constantly evolving, and most people don't even stay in a job for 10 years anyway, so... No, that's quite different from where I work now. A lot of people worked here for over 25 to 40 years. And I think that's quite different for people from our generation who don't really foresee themselves hitting that 30-year mark in one company. Mm -hmm. So now I'd like to move on to one of my favorite questions that I always ask my guests is, what advice do you have for job seekers in the alternative protein industry? Yeah, that's a good question. I think... An important one is to look for people you find inspiring and look at their backgrounds, try to talk to them even. And some of them, in my experience, can be a little bit intimidating, but usually everyone's really eager to help you find your way, to ask you questions that also help you find a direction you find interesting. And I think that's extremely helpful to do also as a young or not so young person trying to find your way in, in this field. And also don't try to find the perfect job right away. It's putting too much pressure on you if you do that, I think. So just rely on the fact that even if you start somewhere and then you figure out that maybe a different angle would suit you better, I think that's fine. I think it's why we're learning so much in the work that we do. I think that's a very smart approach. Finding your perfect job is going to take some time, and to expect that your first job to be the perfect job is a bit unrealistic. Yeah, I think that's setting the pressure too high, the standard too high for yourself, because maybe there is no 100% perfect job for you, and that's also okay, because, well, first of all, I don't think anyone has a perfect job. and Second, I think balancing out what you like and what you dislike takes a while to find even what that is and 
also your personal life is also quite important. Yeah, no, you definitely got to find that work-life balance. In order for the alternative protein movement to be sustainable, you have to ensure that the people working in the field don't burn out. You need to stay healthy and you need to stay passionate and active and happy in that sense. So if working too hard is not it for you, then yeah, don't be too hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to add or discuss? Just one last thing to add. What we've been hearing for quite a while is that the industry, especially plant-based analogs, has had its huge peak, a lot of attention. I mean, Beyond Meat hit the stocks really well, and then it kind of dropped. And I think a lot of people were a little disheartened by that. But that's a normal development for any new hype or technology that it kind of peaks in the beginning, then it kind of drops a little bit, and then it builds up again slowly until it kind of plateaus at a level of productivity that works well. I think we're building up to that plateau at this moment. So I'm really happy to see people leaving that dip for now and, and working towards a stable, long-term plant-based environment that will also hit the larger masses of people to really make an impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100% agree there. I think just the overall excitement of the industry kind of spurred some exponential growth that couldn't possibly be sustained for a while. And so now we've come into that little bit of a lull where the growth hasn't been as much as it has in the past. But I, I do concur that I see this industry still growing in the future. Yeah, exactly. The initial shines may be worn off a little bit, but it's definitely not saying anything about the long-term prospects of the field. Agreed. All right. Well, I really enjoyed speaking with you today, and I appreciate you taking the time to come on the episode. and share your experiences yeah thank you so much keep up your great work i think you're really able to ask the right questions and to inspire a lot of people so keep it up awesome i really appreciate that yeah, it means a lot all right thank you you don't have to work for a company or start your own to contribute to the alternative protein industry as there are plenty of research and other academic opportunities within this space this is yet again why there's a place for everyone, including you, to be a part of the alternative protein revolution. If you want to learn more about careers in the alternative protein industry, please follow the Cultivating Careers in Alternative Proteins podcast on Instagram for weekly posts about episode releases, alternative protein resources, job boards, career advice, and so much more. Also, to maximize your chances of getting a job in the industry, I recommend you check out TALS resources page, which has a list of tools, events, podcasts, FAQs, newsletters, etc. A link is in the show notes.